Somebody praise him in the face of every lying devil. The devil said you ain't got a right to praise him. Let everything that have breath. I got a right to praise him. Somebody lift your voice and give him praise. Come on, the grave can't praise him. While I'm alive, I'm going to do something. Hallelujah. Praise God. It is great to be here tonight and to feel what we feel and know what we know. You know, being in Pentecost isn't all about feeling. Thank God for what we do feel. But it's what we know. I know that God's real. I know that God loves me. I know that God's in me. I know that God's with me. Some things I know. And the more that you know, deeper and richer and more glorious the praise becomes in Jesus' name. Let's love him one more time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. already been mentioned, but um, this Friday at 1 p.m. is going to be the going home ceremony for Sister Marla Carter. Each and every one of you are invited to be here for that, and um, there's probably going to be a lot of people here that need God. And so we're going to do our best to create an atmosphere where God can meet with people and people can reach out to God. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, if somebody passing away does not cause you to think, then we have become jaded. This is just me. This is a very subjective statement, but I can't think of anything that will cause me pause and reflection like somebody's untimely and unexpected passing. Because your life is in God's hands. And your death, the Bible calls it an appointment, an appointment. And it humbles me to think that my appointment could be tonight, tomorrow. And knowing that, we should live wisely and make the most of every moment. In Jesus' name, praise God. Sunday, Brother Wade Bass will be here. He will also be here next Tuesday. And one of the preeminent apostolic preachers in the world today, Brother Wade Bass, tremendous preacher. And uh, he will be preaching here on Pentecost Sunday. I was talking to somebody before service.
and um, we had designed to have for the bass here for Pentecost Sunday. But, you know, we're living in a world that, hey, we, we want you to come to church Pentecost Sunday. Nobody even knows what Pentecost Sunday is. And, uh, but they do know that God is able to do all things because they can feel your passion, your excitement, your fervor. So let's be inviting people out and let the Holy Ghost touch somebody, fill somebody in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And um, it'll be a great time in the Holy Ghost. I'd like to direct your attention tonight to the Word of the Lord. I'd like to uh, bring us to Matthew chapter 16. Did you bring your Bible? Do you already know all the Bible? Uh, I'm asking everybody, bring your Bible to this church. You're in a Bible-believing, Bible-reading. There's a lot of know-it-alls. There's a lot of know-it-alls that aren't going to be saved. But I'm here to tell you that I've been doing this for a long time, and I don't even know a little bit. Only God knows everything. So bring your Bible. Let it be a, let it be a witness to your children. Is this all right? Come on, somebody. I know it's the 21st century. This is a Bible-believing, Bible-thumping. Come on, let's make church great again. Let's make God great again. Hallelujah. We need to make God great again. The way we do that is give people our testimony. Praise God. Yes. Matthew chapter 16 is where we want to go tonight. Familiar passage of Scripture. This is not going to be um, anything revolutionary, but it will be, I believe, something fresh and something good. Let's start in verse number uh, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am. Very rare question. And they responded by saying, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. One more time. Verse number 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, 
but my Father which is in heaven. The necessity of revelation. The necessity of revelation. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank God for your people, your spirit, the word of God that is in attendance in this house tonight. I pray that you're a blessing to every life, every marriage, every young person, young and old alike. I pray, Father, for a spirit to be in this house that facilitates revelation. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Being apostolic is the most fantastic thing that ever happened to me. I cannot even begin to talk about it without getting a little bit choked up because I have an understanding. And being apostolic, genuinely apostolic, is unlike any other human endeavor, human experience in this world. At the turn of the previous well, I was going to say the turn of the previous century, the turn of the previous, previous century, 1899 to 1900, the average vocabulary in America was 24,000 words. Tonight, it is diminishing, but at last count, on average, it was 14,000 words. The reason for that, according to uh, people that study these kinds of things is because our culture is moving away from being an information-based culture that is transmitted through books, literary resources, and it is being the brain is being remapped by the visual, which means we are going back to petroglyphs hieroglyphics and writings on cave walls and imagery without words. Information tonight is, even though it's being transmitted more rapidly than it ever has before at any other time, we are creating a culture that, according to statistics and experts, is being remapped For pleasure, for convenience, even though there's more telecommunications, more modes of email, internet, social networking, yada, 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 people are, have never felt more lonely, more isolated. They talk about our world is, is in an opiate crisis, and then they turn around and legalize marijuana. 
How smart can that be? People are, are plagued. This, this, the gross darkness that is described in the book of Isaiah is certainly covering and circumventing the globe and oppressing on the spirit of human being. My wife and I just found out this morning um, a man that I met only once or twice. We just connected in the spirit. Many years ago, I was just a new convert, but there was a young man that was there for a wedding from Louisiana in a very large, famous church from Louisiana. Good guy. Um, and I think maybe I just, maybe we communicated just once or twice while I was an evangelist. Um, I think we communicated just like ships in the night. But his wife suddenly, without any warning, jumped off of a bridge and committed suicide three or four days ago. People are desperate to find meaning and purpose in life. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that we have it. We have it, and I know we have it. Because I know what God did for me, and there's nobody that's going to take this from me. And you got to make up your mind early on. I don't care if it's family. I don't care if it's friends. I don't care if it's relations, in-laws, outlaws, everybody in between. I am going to heaven. I am going to see Jesus. I am in this thing to go all the way. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Because that's the type of resolve it's going to take to make it out of this world. Come on, everybody clap your hands and give God the praise. Thank you, Jesus. We're here tonight. We are a privileged people. I'm not saying you're privileged if you come to Cornerstone. If you think that, I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. Oh, we've just got the greatest pastor. I'm not going to say a word. For once in my life, nothing will come out of my mouth. I will let you think that. You'll probably wake up sooner or later and realize he's a man that's trying to do something good. He is a pastor, and our pastor needs prayer, and I will thank you for that as well. But I want to tell you that being apostolic is the greatest privilege of a human life. It is not just so that you can come to a church as the eye of a hurricane in a world that is turbulent with confusion. That is not part of the privilege. The real reality of it is, is that we are assembled, we have all been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Spirit, and we are unlike any other group of people. We have been called out of darkness into this marvelous light. Let's show forth some praise and give Him glory. There is no religion. There is no denomination. There is no belief system. There is no group of people. I'm not prideful tonight. I'm not being arrogant tonight. I'm quoting the word of God that there is nobody that is sitting in heavenly places like one God, baptized in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking. That's not arrogant. That's not proud. That's the word of God. You've got to understand that all of hell is against you. I realize there's some people that just it just seemingly takes an act of Congress. Well, there's my political statement for the night. To get to go to church, you have to understand there's forces of hell that don't want you here. 
There's forces of hell that don't want you in the prayer room. There's forces of hell that don't want you in the altar. There's forces of hell that don't want you to lift your hands. One of the most primal disciplines of any child of God should be, I'm going against those spirits. I'm going against carnality. I'm going against what the devil said. I'm going against the You will never understand who you are until you buck the trend of, oh, somebody help me. You got to make up in your mind. I'm a privileged person. I get to go against the grain of this world. Clap your hands and lift your voice and let's praise him together. Woo! Struggling apostolic on his worst day. His light years, and that's even a poor example. Worlds beyond somebody in this world on their best day. This is a kingdom that has its own transmission of information. I'm going to tell you something that what I'm going to talk about tonight is an eternal fascination of mine. Man, I've always been fascinated with with weird stuff. Star Trek, dudes running around with pointed ears. I've always been into that kind of stuff. Star Wars, Star Trek. I want to tell you there is nothing that compares to what it means to be genuinely. I want to tell you, when you... And I know, I realize I'm just, I'm just getting into this, and I'm starting off kind of preachy here tonight, but I'll settle down here in a minute because I feel such a passion about this. But if you're, if you're looking around and saying, this is just all about rules and regulations, you don't even know what you don't know. This is not about rules and regulations. This is about principles that are from the foundations of this world. They are timeless. They are limitless. They are everlasting. And you have been invited into something that is from another world. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. Cornerstone stands as a monument of the reality of another world. We do not fit in with the World Council of Churches. I'm not putting anybody down. If you're here tonight and you think being, you've got your superstar preachers and denomination, I'm not even... I'm not even messing with that. But I'm going to tell you, to be genuinely apostolic, you are on another frequency. Now, the challenge is to operate on that frequency. Satan knows all about this frequency. Whereas the world and our flesh is based on the five senses and it's based on information that's transmitted through the five senses. The communication of the kingdom is transmitted from the inside out, not the outside in. 
receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are, you are, just, you are just a candidate to blow this world upside down. So the challenge is for you to operate on the realities of what you really have. But if you, if you don't know what you don't know and you don't really know what you have, you have to understand that's exactly what hell wants to do. Hell does not want you to understand what you have. There's three things that the devil doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to know who God is. He doesn't want you to know who you are. And he doesn't want you to know who he is. There's some people that live their life like the devil's nowhere around. And the devil's right in their back pocket. The more spiritual you become, the more pronounced he becomes. And it's like, oh my God, where have I been? What God has been waiting on is for you to get into the spirit. And all of a sudden things come out like 3D images. And you walk with power. You walk with You cannot be carnal. And be a successful apostolic. You are devaluing. You are devaluing what you really have. And you are precious. You are priceless. Incredibly valuable, whether you're in this church or another one, you're incredibly valuable to God. That's my introduction. Now give me some pointy ears. This passage that I've read in your hearing tonight is bar none, a fulcrum. It's a fulcrum in the life of one man, and ready, really, it is a understanding, there's a shifting of the gears that takes place through this, this passage. It's familiar to all of us because we focus on one aspect of this, and that's the questions that Jesus asks, and it is preeminently important. It begins with more than a question. It begins with a premise. In verse number 13, if you'd follow along with me, uh, Brother Clark, I'd appreciate that. The Bible said, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, that's, that's a loaded question, and it's loaded with two shots. Number one is who, what is everybody else saying about me? If you're, if you're honestly going to live up to what has been given to you and I, you have to be delivered of the opinions of other people. I can't even get into this. There's there's volumes I could give you tonight about people that that if I would have listened to them, we would not have what we have tonight. And I know it's just a drop in the bucket compared to what God wants to do, but we wouldn't even have this. That happens to people that don't have a revelation. 
The more that you don't have a personal revelation, I'm going to get into this tonight because this is what God has for you. God's got this for every single human being on the face of this planet that can cognitively and consciously understand this word. It's not just for pastor. It's for every single human being on the face of this planet. But Jesus is saying, what is public opinion about me? And then he takes it a step further and says, the son of man. I, I re, that, was, that was a twist that Jesus put in there because whenever he uses the terminology son of man, he is talking about his humanity. And so he's already starting out with a mental handicap. He's trying to load it all the way over on human understanding. First of all, because we're creatures, of, we're gregarious by nature. We're social by nature. He wants to know what, what people are saying. Number two... He's trying to load it up by saying, the son of man. You know, son of Mary. He hungered, he thirsted, he wept. These are all human experiences that are displaying his humanity. And so the disciples respond by saying, some say that thou art John the Baptist because Jesus preached repentance. Some are saying that thou art like the great prophet, that there were miracles. Some said he was like Jeremiah because he is talking about what's going to happen if we don't change. The only reference that they had for God manifest in the flesh was something from ancient literature, except for John the Baptist, which preached repentance and didn't care who he preached to and didn't care who he offended. Let me tell you, being apostolic is not like being everybody else. There's people that will tell you today, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in Jesus. That is false doctrine. You don't have to have a pastor. That's false doctrine. You don't have to obey the Bible. That's false doctrine. You can live any way you want as long as you don't murder people. That's false doctrine. makes your life there's not a person in here that's stupid you know I was thinking about myself I'm not stupid but I've sure done some dumb things just kind of smile and look straight ahead made me feel like I'm at home and I'm loved don't blame my dumb things on God Blame my dumb things on me. But the beauty of it is, is I have a place I can go where I don't have to repeat dumb things. Somebody over here, help me out. A couple more. There's only one or two. Thank you. 
I believe in group participation. This is why to try to fit this, which is universal, I want, I want you to know that we are, we are so far beyond just human existence with being apostolic that it, is, it scares people how powerful this is. But I want to tell you, this is big. It's cosmic. It's universal. It's beyond this room. It's beyond Spokane, Washington. It's beyond the U.S. of A. Then Jesus asked the most important question of the day. He said, who do you say that I am? And without hesitation, without looking at his watch, without waiting for anybody else to speak up, without saying anything, Peter, I can almost... Peter, this is where Peter gets, actually there's a collection of scriptures that show that he's impetuous, he's arrogant. No sooner did the question leave the lips of Jesus and Peter said, I know who you are. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. sake of understanding tonight, there is not a trinity. And if somebody wants to argue the trinity, I say, okay, which doctrinal slant of the trinity are you talking about? There's hundreds since the fourth century. Just pick one. There is no trinity. The devil has done a great job because he knows if I can get people off of the true identity of God, then it affects everything in the downline. That's why when you come to this church, we make no bones about it. There's but one God, and his name is? You've got to be baptized in his name. It's amazing. People don't mind claiming a miracle in Jesus' name. They'll even pray in Jesus' name. But then they'll baptize in the titles of the Trinity. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving God glory unto him. Now, where did Peter get this revelation? He's one of the first to follow Jesus, either one or two, he was that close. He was one of the very first that was called to follow Jesus. Where did he get this revelation? I believe that I can get close to an answer. And let's go to Matthew chapter number 14. Just, just flip a page and you'll be there. And go to verse 42, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, these, some of these guys were fishermen. They've been on water like this many, many, many times. And in the fourth watch, that was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. That's amazing. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. See, I believe that this right here is the fulcrum for Peter. Because Peter was not afraid to get to step out from what other people thought. See, it's amazing to me. We have a we have a tendency to remember biographical sketches of biblical figures, and we, we lock them into that. Like when we think about David, we think about him killing Goliath. Right? David killed a man to get his wife. He committed two capital offenses according to the Decalogue, but God didn't kill him. They were two capital offenses. Either one of them would have killed him. Murder and adultery. Am I right? But we don't remember that about David. When we remember Peter, we remember him denying the Lord while he's warming himself by that fire. In fact, I'm going to show you one of his disciples, and he cursed. He did that to disassociate himself from any linguistic attachment. But we don't realize that Peter was the very first one to was invited. To go into the supernatural. Peter already had a revelation. That if God is calling me to Spokane, Washington. There's a lot of people that go a lot of places. And when it doesn't work out, they don't know what's going on. You better make sure you got a word from God. Because in this world, you are going to get worked over. There is a world, there is a spiritual world that does not want you there. They don't want you setting up shop. They don't want you turning the light on. They don't want you saying welcome. They don't want you. That's why we need to be praying for all the home missionaries that are out of this church. In fact, let's pray for them right now. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, greater is he that is in them than he that is in their respective communities and areas. By the authority of the name of Jesus, allow them to have great revival. Open up the windows of heaven. Provide for them a door of utterance in Jesus' name. 
But you have to understand that when you, you do that, you, you, can't, you can't listen to what the council's saying. You can't listen to what the board is saying. And I'm not trying to be ugly. When you get into these kind of stuff, people try to say stuff that I'm not even trying to say. All I'm trying to say is it is an individual thing. It is one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus said, come. Peter gets out of the boat. I can already hear the voices. Ah, there he goes again. Thinking he's better than everybody. There he goes again. Thinking he's special. Well, they watched with total amazement. As Peter walked from that boat to just about where Jesus was. And so way before Peter was ever asked, whom do men say that I am? He already had a revelation that if Jesus is out there and Jesus has bidden me to come, I am never going to sink. I didn't get in this to just, just, man, we want you to be Pentecostal. No, there's a list of commandments. You got a whole list of things. You got another list over here, too. And that's just how this is presented, and that's a bunch of baloney. When you get a revelation and you are attuned to this information that's on another frequency, there, whatever I got to give up, you can have it. Whatever I got to do, I want it. Whatever I want to do. There is data. There is information that is being sent out on a universal scale from another world. And it's called revelation. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And that's why this is not fascinating to you. But the minute you get a revelation and God gives it to you, you'll never be the same. They won't keep you out of the prayer room. They won't keep you from coming to church. They won't keep you from knocking doors. The necessity of a revelation. Who do you guys say that I am? I know who you are. I know who you were way back there on the on the sea. While everybody was belly aching. I wasn't focused on that. I was focusing on you. You was out there on the water. You was on there walking on the problem. You was out there walking on the chaos. You were out there walking on the waves and the sea and and and, and the wind was blowing. That weren't the Christ. that, and I'm I'm been doing this now for 30 years. It is so easy to learn how to do some things. You know, you can learn how to talk in tongues. You can, you can just learn to do some things. You know what? You can come to this church as long as you're presentable and not causing confusion, talking against the people of God and the ministry and God and the Word of God. and You can be a total mess and come to this church as long as you need to. 
But I'm going to tell you something. Either it will be pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or in the prayer room. Somewhere, somewhere in the context, you're going to have the light flip on. And we're going to all be there. And what was once a mess, all of a sudden it's, my God, that guy's unstoppable now. You can't stop him from witnessing. You can't stop him from living for God. You You can't have my revelation. You're never going to get my revelation. It didn't come from man. It didn't come from the public. It came from the Spirit. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. We, there is a necessity of a revelation that changes everything. Because Simon... Simon barred Jonah, Simon the son of Jonah, got a revelation. How did he get this revelation? Listen to what Jesus has to say about this. Blessed art thou, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee. Nobody, not another person, not your wife, not your mother-in-law not the public, not the religious leaders in the synagogue, the high priest in the temple, the leftovers from the Maccabean revolt, Pharisees, Essenes, Sadducees, those that wrote pseudo-epigraphal writings, the Apocrypha, the Epigrapha, nobody but my father which is in heaven. I'm going to show you why it's critical to get a revelation. And I say also unto thee, in verse number 18, thou art Peter. The word Cephas means Peter, but it is in Aramaic. Peter is the Greek translation for Cephas. And Jesus has ditched Simon Peter and ditched Simon Barjona and now is calling him a rock. And I'm just, I'm just, just let me pastor tonight. You can be flaky for a long time in this church. Nobody's going to judge you. If they do, just, just pray. who is it? Well, it's sister so-and-so. I'll call her back next week. I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. I don't do that. I try to answer every, every person that reaches out. I really do. You probably don't think I do, but I really do. It's just that I'm one person. Sometimes I get small. But I'm just going to tell you, you can, I've, I know I've already said this. I know I'm being redundant, but I'm doing it on purpose. You can, you can be a slob, a mess. Not have everything together. Pastor, uh, six months ago, I got dressed. My socks didn't match tonight. They match. Praise God. That's progress. Pastor, I just started paying my tithe. You got a revelation. You're not cursed anymore. It's in the Bible. 
Pastor, I see the importance of some things. I see that, you know what? What we're into, we're not, we, we don't have a clock on you, okay? A stopwatch. Like, all right, I'm going to give this guy, I'm going to give this guy 18 months, and I expect him to be able to quote the entire book of Acts without skipping a beat. Don't even breathe, okay? And, and we're going to sit there and just watch him and put you under a microphone. No, 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 no. No, we don't do that in this church. But I'll tell you what you have to do. You got to get away from flesh and blood and say, God, I want what you've got for me. I need to hear something from it. Come on, somebody. This should not be. Am I, I, this is in English tonight, right? I know we're building a culture here, but you can't allow that culture to silence out the necessity of a revelation. Because there's a lot of people that are well-meaning. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm not even saying they're carnal. They might just say, man, don't go out in the boat, man. Because right after this, Jesus is saying, I've got to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And Jesus, Simon, he's got the keys now. He's a big shot. He gets Jesus over here to the side, and he said, now, Jesus, listen, (laughs) this stuff about you going to the cross and you going to Jerusalem, like, you just made me a somebody, and you can't be running off. And Jesus looks at him and says, Satan, get behind me, for thou savorest not the things of God, but the things of the flesh. So Peter went from the highs to the lows. Don't get mad at your husband if he was speaking in tongues in church and he's arguing that he doesn't want to go to McDonald's for the 30th time this year. Pastor, we got home and we were already having an argument. And he was just running the aisles and speaking in tongues. I understand all that. Somebody help me out right now. Thank you. But there's some people that are not going to let you get out of the boat. No, no, no. If you see something in the spirit, if God's talking to you, you just say, I love you guys. I love you. I'm not, I'm not trying to do anything. But I've got to get a revelation. I have got to have an understanding. This is not about standards. This is not about cookie cutter being what everybody else is. This is having a revelation from another world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You get one man with a, rev- a revelation. And he will be unstoppable. That's why the forces of hell try to stop you from getting your revelation. But I want to encourage you that where sin does abound in the 21st century, the Holy Ghost does superabound. I want to tell you this, the beam of the Holy Ghost, like a pulse, is sending out. And all we got to do is get away from the flesh and get away from naysayers and get away from people that want to stay in the boat. You've got to get around people that say, you know what, if God's on the water, that's where I'm going. I'm getting out of the boat. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm getting out of the, out of the, out of the mentality of 21st century technological thinking. And I want to get out where the spirit is. I want to get out where the power is. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. God has has that for you. God has that for you. The necessity of revelation. All revelation is sequential. Which means you got to get one revelation before you can get another revelation. And you got to act on a revelation before you can get another revelation. 
because Peter got a revelation. Jesus gave him another revelation. I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was God's view of Peter, which is in one of the translations, the name Peter in Greek is Petros, which means small stone. Listen to this. Small stone or a sling stone. When's the last time you ever heard of somebody that loaded up a sling and, and whipped it around a few times and let it go? And where did it hit? It hit right in the forehead of a Goliath and brought down a system and a regime that stopped the onward progress of God's people. I would not be here tonight. There, in fact, and I'm only, I'm not talking about myself because I feel like I, I need to. I'm doing this because I'm trying to help somebody. There was a lot of people said I'd never make it. There's tried, there was people that tried to talk my wife out of marrying. Man, he's the next rocker. You know, still got holes in his ears from earrings. His fingers, even though they're formally nicotine stained. Used to hold cigarettes and dope and God knows what else. I know he's in the church. He's making a lot of racket. He worships God. He loves God, but he's an ex-rocker. Let me tell you about this ex-rocker. This ex-rocker has a revelation, and I ain't never going back. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I've already got out of the boat. I've already walked on water. I've already seen him high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. There ain't nothing to go back to. This ain't religion. This is not a denomination. This is not an organization. This is an organism from another world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm preaching. That's why I've got passion. That's why I've got determination. That's why I've got focus. So my wife said, I think I'll marry him. We went on our first date. She was driving a convertible BMW 320i, I believe. I was driving a Dotson Honeybee that's in the Smithsonian Institute, right next to the Spirit of Spokane, I mean St. Louis. So when somebody tries to make fun of your ride, it's what's inside. It's what's inside that ride. If you're part of these people who go, man, that's a cool ride, I want to know what's on the inside of that ride. I might have been driving a, a Dawson honeybee, brother and sister, but when I got out, I could quote Acts 2.38, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. I was in love with God then. I'm more in love with God tonight because the devil can't have it. Nobody can have this. It's a revelation. On our first date in that Dawson honeybee, my wife said, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And I said, I really don't know, but I do know whatever I do with the rest of my life, I'm going to be smack dab in the will of God. And my wife said, that's the guy for me right there. Some of you marriages out there, you don't want your husband to get spiritual because then it might make you look bad. Just let him get spiritual. He'll treat you better. 
let your wife get spiritual. Why be in an Ananias and Sapphira when you can be Peter and his mother-in-law or wife? There's a mother-in-law everywhere. Hallelujah. I'm just doing a little meddling right now. You get a revelation. You are going to be unstoppable. You are going to be unstoppable. Let's just lift our hands and love Jesus right now. I'm almost done. Some people think if I can just get a title, that's so human, full of ambition, but lacks the substance of revelation. Romans chapter 12 said, let us wait on our ministry. Come. Waiting, all things come out and all things are made known. Let's quickly review the importance of a revelation. Number one, the revelation about identity is the preeminent revelation. And it may not just be, it might not just be an academic understanding. I'm going to talk about the difference between understanding and revelation. Understanding is the human equivalent of what happens when illumination comes. That the, the process of illumination coming to the human being is revelation. The understanding, the cognitive understanding that that illumination has come is human. says they that sat in darkness saw a great light the, the the fact that God had determined to shine a light that's why it says in second Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 if our gospel is hid it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light God's light of revelation is always emanating, but you got to get sick and tired of where you're at. You got to be sick and tired of just having a title and just having a role and just having a function. And you got and you got to get where I want more. I want more. I want more. I need. I need. I, I, I need more understanding. I need more revelation. I need. I need to get closer to God. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh unto you. And that's where the revelation and the understanding emanates from. Part, being a part of a good church, whether it's this one or another good church, that's only part of it. A church like this is to challenge you. When everybody's here, including the parakeets and the dogs and everybody, we're, we're, we're getting on up there. This building looks healthy. It looks, it looks like the parking lot is overflowing already. But ladies and gentlemen, I didn't stop here to just fill one building. When you've got when you bear a revelation, you just keep going until God's done with you. I am indestructible until God is done with me. You cannot hurt me, you cannot mar me, you cannot do anything because all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. Clap your hands and give God the I rebuke fear, I rebuke panic, I rebuke worry, I rebuke the spirits of this world. Of a revelation, you are indestructible. It's not pride, it's not arrogance, it's not haughtiness, it's not. It's 
knowing who you are in God. When people don't laugh at every stupid joke and don't want to go and get carnal, they're not being haughty. They're not being aloof. They're not being, no, they're saying, no, I'm, I'm going to protect my Holy Ghost. I don't want to go there. I don't want to put that in my eye. I don't want to put that in my spirit. I've got a revelation of who I am. Peter got a revelation, not only of God, but now Jesus said, because you got a revelation of me, I'm going to give you a revelation of who you are. You are a rock. You're a stone. You're solid. This is why the Bible said in Luke chapter number 22, Satan has desired. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired that he may sift you as wheat. Satan did not have Peter when he denied the Lord. That was clearly Peter. But Jesus didn't say the devil is going to make you do this. Jesus looked at him and said, you're going to do this. You're going to deny me three times. Satan moved in when he failed. Sure, this boy never gets up again. I'm gonna make sure he never grabs a microphone. I'm gonna make sure he don't make it to Pentecost. I'm gonna make sure he loses those keys. I'm gonna make sure he loses his revelations. I'm gonna overwhelm. That's why the Bible says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary will swallow you." What that is talking about is overcome you with guilt, with shame, condemnation, depression, dejection. I'm ready to walk off a bridge. I'm ready to go to a bar. I'm ready to start drinking. I'm ready to start hanging out with reprobates. I'm ready to start doing drugs. I'm ready to tune out. I'm ready to bail out. Why? Because you've been listening to the devil. If you can make it back to this house, we will rebuke the liar off you and wash your garments in the blood and overcome the accuser of the brethren through the blood of the lamb. Peter got back on his feet. When Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He was giving to Peter. He was extricating him out of the clutch and the jaws of the devil. Yea, Lord, I love you. Thou knowest all things. Go out and preach and feed my brethren and do the will of God. Clap your hands and give him praise. God's going to give you another opportunity to prove whether you love him or not. That's not so you can prove it to God. It's so you can prove to yourself. I'm really not a failure. I'm really not a backslider. I really do love God. And now the devil's finally scared of you because you got the revelation of who you are. The devil ain't scared. You got a revelation of one God even though. You can come to a Pentecostal church all your life. That don't scare the devil. What scares the devil is when you find out who you are. Devil, I'm here to tear your mask off. I'm here to bring Acts 2.38, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. I'm here to turn this city upside down. I'm here to get billboards. I'm here to win. So clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody come on, shout with a voice to try. You might have written yourself off already. Well, not me. I can't do anything. I rebuke that lousy spirit. Get a revelation of who you are. God's not done anointing you. God. Every time God forgives you, he gives you an opportunity to prove to yourself. 
happened. Well, I, I thought it was over. Says who? Well, I messed up. What do you think the blood's for? Well, I did things that are contrary to my character, contrary to my convictions, and I was taught differently. What do you think forgiveness is for? You think all of us are running around with halos? The thing that keeps revelation on your life is you're consistently living under the blood. First John clearly states that if I love my brother, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me and continues to cleanse me every day. But if I allow bitterness and hatred, the blood stops. And now it's my religion. Now it's my convictions. Now it's stuff I'm doing. We just need to lighten up on people. Like Andrew. Until you get married, you are going to be sitting right here, which means there's nobody else over here to do this to. But you know, I love you. You've come a long way since you came to this church. See, nobody knows that but me, you, and God, and the devil. And you just keep progressing. You just keep loving God. His day will come. Your day will come. I rebuke every devil that said it won't come. I rebuke every devil that said just leave him there. He's no good. I rebuke that lying spirit. I want it out of this church. I want it off these pews. I want it out of this building. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You got to quit messing up. flesh that I love God and that puts the devil a running Peter got a revelation of who Jesus was Peter got a revelation of who he was Peter got a revelation of purpose on that He had purpose. He had function. He had direction from a cosmic perspective. You're not just in Spokane. You're not just holding down a job. I mean, I know you got to do some things because it's all part of the normal course of living in an ordered culture. But you've got a plan that's from another world. You've got a purpose. You've got an identity. You don't have a social security number. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This revelation business is everything. It's everything. Not only did Peter get a revelation of God, not only did Peter get a revelation of himself, he got a revelation of exactly what he was supposed to do and how he was supposed to do it, and that was to use the keys. Peter not only opened up salvation to the Jew in Acts chapter 2, he opened up to the Gentile world in Acts chapter 10. 
Peter also got an understanding that hell can't stop me. Can you put that verse up, Brother Clark, please? I believe it's 19. Verse number 18, I say also to thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is the necessity of a revelation. But not everybody gets their revelation synonymously. Not everybody. I've, I've marveled as a pastor, and I don't say this critically. I'm just saying this is all. This is all terrain, pastoral terrain that I've become familiar with. You can have the message that Brother Ari Prado preached. How illuminating, how powerful. I've, I've seen many, 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 many. And I'm thinking, and I, I'm not being critical, but as a pastor, I'm saying, oh, that's exactly what so-and-so needed. And that was exactly what they've been praying for. Only to see them get up and not come to the altar and walk out. And I go, my God! My revelation won't do you any good. You got to get your revelation. But see, all revelation is synonymous. There's no prophecy of the scriptures of any prophet, private interpretation. It's all parallel. All, all revelation is parallel. It's all going in the same direction. I get a revelation. You get a revelation. It all brings us to the same, the same place of being unstoppable, of being kingdom-minded and doing genuine damage to the powers of hell. Well, Pastor, Pastor, I just go to this church. Just be glad I'm here. I, I hear that in people's spirits. Just be glad I'm here. I am. I'm glad you're here. But where do we go from here? Are you postured for your revelation? Are you postured to get out of the boat? Are you postured when Jesus said, get out of the familiar and step on substance that nobody else has ever walked on before? A revelation will change everything. Let's lift our hands and just give God the praise. I'm done. I'm done. The thing that makes living for God new every morning is that revelation that becomes understanding. Now go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1, verses 17 and 18. Please, Brother Clark. This is what happens. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse number 18. The eyes of your understanding every morning over a cup of coffee instead of jumping on your phone and seeing how many people are on your Instagram and how many people got on your Facebook every, but you're in the Word of God. It's just you and God and that cup of coffee early in the morning and all of a sudden something gets in and it just grows and it shines a light. It's, oh, Jesus! That you may know what is the hope of his calling 
and with the riches beating our heads against the wall trying to get more money trying to get out of debt trying to get more 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 that's not where the real more is Romans chapter 5 has a revelation that more is in the spirit more grace more righteousness more love more God more faith more more exceedingly What one revelation does, I don't care if you're 16, 26, or 60, or 80, a revelation can change everything. Let's stand. I really didn't mean to preach, but I've got so much passion about this subject tonight. Probably could have been a little bit more academic. Was genuinely me. Let's lift our hands and give him the praise. The Spirit of God is wanting somebody to be a partaker tonight. The eyes of our understanding.